What roles do heroes have in our lives? Are they just the people we hold on a pedestal because they are famous enough for us to know their names? Do we admire them because of their fame or because of what they do for our own lives? What if you could be an all-encompassing hero? What could you achieve? It's the life of an Irishman born in Texas which answers these questions for us. This is his story. In 1925, in a small village in Texas, a child was born. His name was Audie Murphy. Audie was the seventh of 12 children born to Irish immigrant parents, Emmett and Josie Murphy. As many Irish in America at the time, they found life hard. The family were poor as poor can be. They were sharecroppers, effectively living the lives their parents had escaped from in Ireland. Young Audie's home was not a place of peace. He spent much of his childhood cowering from his father's temper. On a nightly basis, Audie and his siblings would find themselves hidden in an upstairs wardrobe as his father and mother would argue downstairs. I say argue. In reality, Audie's father would furiously lecture his mother on the issues would pester his own mind and rather than have roots in reality. As time grew older, Audie's father returned home after days work less and less, sometimes for months on end. At some point, he stopped returning home altogether and left the family to fend for themselves. In order to try and keep food on the table, Audie left school and began working on the cotton farms. He was paid one dollar a day for his efforts in the beating, sweltering sun. He quickly found he could not keep his mother or siblings fed on these measly salary. And in order to save money on meat, Audie took his father's rifle and taught himself how to use it. He became a skilled shooter, not being able to afford the cost of a wasted bullet. Audie ensured every time the trigger was pulled, the carcass of an animal would be brought home. Although he felt an awful pressure to bring home food when he would go out hunting, Audie found it liberating. He loved being in the outside world, in the wild, amongst nature and in the silence. He would sit in the shade whilst waiting for an animal to pass his viewpoint. As he sat in silence, in his head he listened to the thoughts of what he might do when he got a bit older, the woman he might marry, the place he might live and the things he might go and see. Then, when Audie turned 16, life spun in its head. His mother passed away after a short illness. This broke poor Audie's heart. He had loved his mother dearly. He later wrote about her death. She took something of me with her when she died. It seems I've been searching for it ever since. Not only was the devastation of her death enough to crumble the dreams of Audie, but as he was now not able to earn enough for the family, his younger siblings were taken away to a Christian orphanage, the type of place where the poor go to be hidden from view, to hide the black marks of society, to be lost in bureaucracy, politics, and where humans go to become statistics. To try and save them from their impending terror, Audie worked a series of jobs at once, running from one to the other 
to get as many shifts as possible, avoiding sleep where money could not be earned. He worked in a radio repair store, a general store and a gas station. In December 1941, as Audi was testing a radio he had just mended, he heard a breaking news report. In it, he heard of a Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Audi turned up the volume and shouted at the others in the shop to be quiet. They huddled around the radio and listened as the reports came through of just how awful the attack had been. They heard how men had drowned in their ships, how they had not been in a position to be ready to fight back and how they had been slaughtered without a care for life. Audi grew tremendously furious as the reports went on. He stood up, fixed his collar, straightened his belt and with nothing left to lose, he marched towards the recruitment office. There he was told he was too small and too young to register. He tried at the Army, the Navy and the Marine Corps desks, telling them all, despite their best efforts, he was going to go to the war whether they liked it or not. He was left devastated, only to return later with his older sister who falsified his date of birth. He was accepted into the Army and sent to Fort Meade for his basic training. Here, the drill sergeants were amazed by this raw recruit. During his training, he was awarded the marksman badge for his ability to shoot a rifle, a rarity for someone in training to receive. He also learned an expert badge for his competency with a bayonet. Because of his unique ability as a soldier, he was quickly taken out of basic training and placed in advanced infantry training. After a quick few months of training, Audi was given his orders. He boarded a ship with his rifle, his uniform and rations and headed for Casablanca, Morocco. He was assigned to the 3rd Infantry Division under the watchful eye of Major General Lucien Truscott. Initially, he was to be a platoon messenger within his division, running back and forth between lines to get messages between the higher-up officers so they could plan their attacks. To make these sound straightforward, the reality is, as the divisions were so spread out, Audi would find himself running and marching up to 30 miles a day in full uniform under the hot African sun, carrying all his belongings. As well as his daily runs, he also had to go through severe training routines. As a result of his drive and ability to never stop, he was promoted to private. When the Axis forces surrendered, the soldiers who Audi had spent his time with were ordered to manage the prisoners. The officers had bigger plans for Audi, however. He was told to pack his bags and he was sent to Europe. On July 7th, 1943, Audi landed in Sicily and joined the group led by Lieutenant General George S. Patton. Here, Audi had a new conference which surprised many. He didn't accept fatigue as an excuse for any soldier near him to stop moving forward. As a result, he was promoted to the rank of corporal after just two weeks in Sicily. Sicily was where Audi started to show the signs of being an immaculate soldier. When his company first engaged the enemy, the young men of war were frightened, scared and just wanted to go home. 
Audi too had a tremendous anxious weight in his shoulders and in his spine, but he managed to steady himself for battle, just enough to be able to perform. It was here where Audi first saw what man was capable of, what one man could do to another. During the battle, Audi claimed the souls of two high ranking officers. Audi was in the thick of the battles as the war progressed, always finding himself with the other high achieving trainees at the front lines. He wrote of his early days in battle, I have seen war as it actually is and I do not like it. But I will go on fighting. When Sicily was secured, those higher up decided the next place to go would be to mainland Italy. When they arrived in mainland Europe, Audi and two others were given the unpleasant task of going out first and scouting ahead for others to follow later. As they walked over the banks of a river, they were spotted and came under heavy German gunfire. The man at the front of the party was killed instantly, dead before he knew he had been shot, and certainly dead before his head hit the floor. Audi and the other man, a man called Tipton, were pinned to the floor as they watched the machine gun bullets sail inches over their heads in a furious panic. Audi turned to Tipton and told him to launch a grenade forward. Tipton, knowing Audi to be the soldier he was, trusted him and did as he was told. As the grenade flew from his grasp, he heard Audi fire five single bullets. By the time the grenade landed, all five German soldiers at the machine gun post were already dead. Five bullets for five men. Audi wasn't one to waste one. A few days later, after having cleared a path, Audi and Tipton led the rest of the division up through the river to the safety of the passes they have created. Once they found a spot to settle, Audi again was instructed to go ahead. Whilst patrolling the area as to where they might move to next, Audi was spotted by a group of soldiers scouting for his division. When they spotted him and opened fire, Audi knew he could not let them go free, as to do so would doom his own men. Again, Audi lay low, pointed his gun forward and opened fire. In the chaos of the hellfire which ensued, Audi managed to kill three German soldiers and take four prisoners back to his camp. This became a trend and continued for Audi, and after a few months, as a result of his remarkable work single-handedly clearing enemy lines for his division to progress, he was promoted to sergeant. Whilst in Italy, Audi contracted malaria. It didn't really slow him down however, there wasn't time to be sick during the war effort, and being such an important part of the American war effort, he had to keep fighting. He did spend some time in a military hospital, but was soon released to lead a charge on Anzio Beach. This was one of the more horrific scenes Audi would experience in the war. In the short battle, his division were slaughtered. They eventually cleared the area and succeeded in pushing the Germans back, but of the hundreds who landed on the beaches, fewer than 30 survived the three-day battle, Audi amongst them. When they came over the beachhead, Audi experienced one of the worst sights a soldier can see. Having seen so many of his friends and colleagues butchered, and with less than 30 of them left, 
Their plan was to get off the beach, chase the remaining Germans back, and set up a spot for more troops to arrive. As they got above the beachhead though, they saw the pushbacks of the Germans had not been successful. An entire army sat on top of the beachhead, regrouping to attack the 30 left. Audie and the others spent the next few days hidden in a farmhouse, controlling their breathing so the Germans would not find them. Days were spent hiding on top of hay, not moving, not even to use the bathroom. After a few days here, Audie spotted a German tank facing their farmhouse. The soldiers inside had already been killed in their initial attack, but Audie knew if the Germans had learnt of their position, all they would have to do was turn it on and fire. Under the cloak of darkness, Audie crawled in his belly from the farmhouse past the Germans and disabled the tank. He then crawled back. Thankfully, the Germans moved from their position, but not before doing so, Audie took some of them prisoners to ask them questions. For his bravery during this period, he received a bronze star. Fighting continued for the next few months. Audie and the others regrouped with the main army corps and found themselves repeatedly on the front lines. By the time June came around, Audie was leading a group of men into Rome, having liberated it from the Germans. He was made a platoon sergeant for his role in the war up to this point. Audie and his men were then sent to France as part of Operation Dragoon. They were amongst the first to arrive there and used the vineyards as their cover to move up off their landing spots on the beaches. As they neared the other side of one of the vineyards, they were spotted by a German machine gunner who opened fire on them without mercy. Those at the front were instantly killed. Audie once again found a spot where he could place his rifle and one by one he picked off the Germans as they fired. As he fired, he saw the Germans raise a white flag of surrender. Their machine gun was no match for his accuracy with a rifle. His friend Tipton stood up to accept their surrender, but as he did, a sniper hiding in their bunker pulled his trigger and ended Tipton's life. Audie later wrote of the experience. I remember the experience as I do a nightmare. A demon seems to have entered my body. My brain is coldly alert and logical. I do not think of the danger to myself. My whole being is concentrated on killing. Holly left the rest of the men where they were, and in a rage for revenge, he advanced by himself on the German position. He moved through the house which they were based, and without regard for his own life, in a 20 minute period, he killed 6 Germans, severely wounding 2, and took 11 as prisoner. For this, he received a Distinguished Service Cross. Audie continued in that vein for the next few months of the war, always at the front, and always taking charge as his men were pinned down. He received various medals for his efforts. He became battle-hardened 
and many soldiers reported that one of the most inspirational sights they had during the war was in the Colmar pocket as they fought for vital land under tremendous fire. Audi killed everyone inside in a German tank by dropping himself down through the hatch and coming up with just a leg wound. As he stood wounded on top of the tank and in the open field, he ordered his men forward, being a single source of covering fire. He killed up to 50 German machine gunners whilst in open sight and protected all of his men as they advanced under the protection of his rifle. It was for this he received the Medal of Honour. On the 8th of June 1945, Audi's war ended and he was sent home with honourable discharge. When he arrived back to Texas, he was treated with the homecoming parade as he was now the most decorated American soldier of all time. Despite all this, Audie found life after the war quite tough. He suffered terribly from a form of PTSD, shaking regularly. He had to sleep with a gun under his pillow for fear the Germans might attack during the night, and he was often awoken by the sound of his own screams. In order to distract himself, he became involved in a number of new ventures, he tried joining the police, but found carrying a gun and putting on a uniform too close to his experiences of war and had to leave. He then wrote a book about his time in war. This was picked up by Hollywood producers and turned into a film, where Audie played himself as the lead. When other Hollywood producers saw Audie's acting abilities, he was immediately sought for. Over the next few years, he went on to star in over 40 blockbuster films. Not satisfied with just movies, however, Audi also turned his hand to music and wrote a series of relatively successful hits. He was now recognised as one of the biggest stars in America. He was a war hero, a Hollywood icon and a musical genius. He was often asked to go and meet other soldiers returning from wars to give them a lift in their spirits. He found more and more of them, returning from Korea and Vietnam, were having the same post-war issues as himself. Audie then used his fame and position in society to publicly lobby those at a political level to fund research into shell shock and PTSD. As a result of his efforts, the American army began to introduce post-battle treatment for their soldiers. Audie married a number of times and had children, but the torment of war on his mind did not sit easy with him. At times he would have been difficult to live with due to his inner turmoil. He developed a gambling problem. He found winning a bet was one of the few ways he could get a thrill in life, but lost much of his fortune to it. In 1971, in a private unregulated plane, Audie's life came to an end as it plummeted from the sky into a mountain. He was buried with full military honours, and American presidents, past and future, attended his burial, such was his role in American life. Today, it is recognised as the second most visited grave in America, after the other Irishman, JFK. After his death, Audie's name was also added to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, due to his blockbuster movie career. Today's music was written, produced and performed by Rhino Halloran. 
this story was researched and scripted by myself, Oren. If you want to help support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com slash Irish, or leave us a review on your podcast app. We the Irish is an Ireland production. Ornus Anandum, Gurv Magut, Slaninish.